أعوذ بالله السميع الحليم من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم أعوذ بكلمة الله تامة من كل شيطان وهأما ومن كل حين لما يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله قاته ولا تمتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وسلم رب إشرالي صدري ويسر لي أمري وأول العهدة من لساني يفقو قولي أيها الإخوة في الله Oh my brothers and sisters in Islam, Ahmadad, before I proceed, I greet you all with the best of greetings in all the heavens and all the planets. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. MashaAllah, today's topic is a very interesting one. It's about one of the basic ethics in life, which is fading away. And I sincerely hope at the end of my lecture, this ethic is revived from the individual level to our societies. So this is the first thread of my lecture. The second thread will be released tomorrow and also the third thread. The first and the second thread is about the definition of hospitality in Islam, my journey through hospitality, the etiquette expected of a host and a guest and how you treat uh guest or host whether you believer or non-believer why the third part of my thread is going to be a surprise lecture which is also under hospitality i know many people are already wondering what etiquette is it's personally before putting this lecture together i was on the weak side but after putting this lecture i realized i took many things for granted sincerely because of my ignorance, I'm not a scholar. As I said from my last lecture, what you don't know, you can do. What you don't know, you can't do. And what you know is what you do. May Allah continue to increase us in ilm and ikma. So what is hospitality? Hospitality in Islam is the topic for today and the celebrity word for today is hospitality which in arabic is called the yafa so brothers and sisters brace yourself for this lecture because today is the day for unlearning and relearning hospitality before i set the ball rolling what is hospitality so hospitality in simple words is the friendly and generous reception of and entertainment of guests Visitors or strangers, that's hospitality. Islam, we know, is peace within ourselves, our neighbors, and our environment. So, hospitality in Islam, Islamic hospitality, basically, in simple words, is friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers, which increases the peace within ourselves and environment. That's all. So, we know Islam is a religion of hospitality basically and no religion express, explains hospitality just from its name so when you're you're friendly when one is friendly and generous to people those you know and those you don't know what are you trying to develop you are spreading peace basically and you're spreading islam 
Personally, I love visitors. I'm someone who loves visitors, but visiting people, no, I'm not talking of visiting sick people, like visiting normal people, like friends and family, was a big job to me because of my experiences. Now I'm sharing my hospitality journey with you. Why? Because you visit, let's, you visit Sister A. This is, now, this is not an assumption, this is fact. You visit Sister A, and the next day you visit Sister B. And Sister B is like, I heard dash, dash, and dash from Sister A about you. How true is it? And many more. So, such scenarios I've experienced, such scenarios in my life have kept me from visiting people, except there is a necessity. And I'm sure there are people who have the same perspective like I did. I did. Not I am not I'm doing or I do now. I did. So now is the time to change. If you are like me, if you are, if you, if you are, you are on the same school of thought, this is the time to change. Why? Because of the edit of our beloved prophet, which was reported by Ibn Umar. Prophet wasallam said, The believer who mixes with people and endures their harm has a greater reward than one who does not mix with people or endures their harm. And this hadith was graded at Sahih. So if you are in this league, please change because I have also changed for good. Bismillah. <laughs> Mala accept her sayings and did such acts of Ibadah. So Islamic hospitality represents the culture and ethics of giving, and this relates to many different domains, ranging from family relations to the public spheres, from social to mundane interactions to sacred beliefs. We should know that a guest, Muslim or non-Muslim, stranger or relative, rich or poor, must be received and treated with kindness dignity and respect in islam hospitality is voluntary giving without compensation that's hospitality we shouldn't forget while hosting or visiting anyone that there are three entities in hospitality the next time your hospitality three things should come to your mind a guest a host and your creator who is the creator Subhanahu wa ta'ala, who created the guest and the host. Your God, you, and the person you are visiting, or the person who, who came to visit you. So, hospitality is among the noble traits a Muslim should possess due to its great effect in deepening the bond of brotherhood. We should be conscious of the fact that honoring the guest is one of the great good actions a true Muslim will be rewarded for. And us uh, should be aware of the conditions. We should know we are going to look at that in our second thread, the second thread of this lecture. The conditions, which are the etiquettes. The award of the guest is a day. The prophet said, the prophet said, the award of the guest is a day and a night given to him or her to relax. Then he or she who is the guest should receive accommodation from the host for three days. If the host exceeds three days, then it's charity. Sadaka to alayhi, charity upon the, the host. Inasmuch as it is encouraged that every Muslim should be hospitable, honoring one's guests is not optional. It's an obligation. It's not compulsory, but it's an obligation upon a Muslim. That should be carried out once a guest knocks on the door. 
So Allah says in Quran chapter chapter 2 verse 177 Laysa libirru an tuwallu ju'akum kibala al-mashriq wal-maghrib walakina libirru man amana billahi wal-yawmil hakir والملائكه والكتاب والنبيين وعات المال على حبه ذوي القربى واليتامى والمساكين وابن السبيل والساحلين وفي الرقاب وحقم الصلاه وحتى الزكاه والمفون والمفون بأحدهم إذا أحدوا والصابرين في البساه والدراه وهين البحث أولئك الذين صدقوا وأولئك هم المتقون It is not righteousness that you turn your faces to the east or to the west but righteousness is he who believes in Allah and the last day and the angels and the scripture and the prophets and gives wealth for love of him to kindred and to orphans and the needy and the wayfarer and to those who ask and to set slaves free and observes proper worship and pays the poor due and those who keep their treaty and they make one and when they make one and the patient in tribulation and adversity and time of stress such are they who are sincere such are the god fearing allahu akbar this verse indicates that the kind of bir now we are saying bir good good deeds approved by god weighed on the scale of good deeds is taking care of the wayfarer one of them is taking care of the wayfarer is not by turning our, our faces by to the west or to the east or the north or to the south is by taking care of the wayfarer who some scholars term as a guest islamic researchers believe that this meaning is reasonable because the wayfarer is a traveler who cannot afford nor find accommodation so he or she is in need of being taken care of as a guest so muslims should not be afraid of accommodating guests we should not be afraid of accommodating guests because we are broke or because there is recession or there is little provision because islam teaches, teaches us that the food for one person can feed two people for two can feed three and so on it was reported that ali radiyallahu anhu said he prefers to gather friends on a banquet to, to free a slave and many of the companions of the prophet used to say that gathering around the banquet is among the good manners so allah spoke from quran from verse 24 to 13 quran chapter 51 Allah said Ala ataka adisu dayfa al-Ibrahim as the story of Abraham's honored guests reached you is the hall walayhi faqalu salama qala salamun qawmun munkarun when they came into him and said peace he answered peace and e ibrahim taught these people are unknown to me So Ibrahim alayhi salatu wassalam taught those people these people are unknown to me. Faraga ala halihi fajaha bihil samin. Then he went away to his family. 
so that they brought a fattened calf. And he set it before them, saying, Will you not eat? And then he conceived a fear of them. They said, Fear not, and gave him tidings of the birth of the wise son. Then his wife came forward mourning and took her face and exclaimed, A barren woman? They said, Even so, says your Lord, he is the wise, the Noah. So, from verse 24, as the story of the honored guest reached you, this shows we should honor our guests plainly. Plainly, this shows we should honor our guests, whether we know them or we don't, whether they are Muslims or not. No adjective should come before the word guests. A guest is a guest faculty. They came in to Prophet Ibrahim and said, Salam, not I, not what's up. They said, peace unto you. And he replied in the same manner. What did we learn from this? That we should always greet our guests or host with the best of greetings and reply in the same manner or in a better way. Not when I say Salam, you say Amin. La. Prophet Ibrahim was looking at these people. And even with the fact that he doesn't know them, he went back to his family and brought a fattened calf like the best of meals a fattened calf meat subhanallah how many of us can do this even for someone we know let alone strangers so scholars made a consensus that the least a guest should be given is water if at all you have nothing at home if you have nothing at home the least you should give your guest is water so prophet ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam brought this fattened calf in front of his guests and encouraged them to eat by saying, will you not eat? In the later part of this lecture, I will discuss more on the etiquette. That's the, the second trade. I will discuss the etiquette of the host and the guests. So what did you notice, my brothers and sisters? He didn't ask them, who are you? Where are you coming from? What will you eat or drink? He welcomed them all utterly. And serve them with the best of what he had. May Allah provide for us and make us the best of guests. So the prophet was scared. He is also human. He was curious about their identity on his mind. That they were not eating too. And these guests, the angels noticed and told him what? What did they tell me? Fear not. They deliver the goodness of a son to him. This shows us that guests are a source of barakah on us. And wherever they are accommodating them. In the home and whoever is accommodating them, Allah showers his barakah on such people and on such home. The prophet, peace be upon him, said, La yuhminu ahadukum atta yuhibbu ahbihi wa linafsihi. None of you will have faith till he wishes for his brother what he wishes for himself. And this adit was greeted as sahih. 
We should treat our guests the way we would love to be treated. We should treat our hosts the way we would love to be treated and treat our guests just like the way we would love to be treated. Most callers agree that generosity can be exaggerated when one has a guest, but the host should not be too extravagant to the level of wastage, subhanAllah. Because there are people, there are many, not even people, there are many people that are in hunger. So, welcoming a guest, treating a guest can be extravagant, but not at the level of wastage. The only place that majority of us get such treatment today are hotels, which we don't be, sincerely. So, during the lifetime of the Prophet, or maybe during Eid, Eid festivities, normally, so during the lifetime of the prophet, peace be upon him, they were sitting in the court of the prophet. And one of the Sahabas walked up to the prophet and told him he was hungry. Some narration said it was a period of famine. Many families had little or nothing to eat. So the prophet asked the Sahabas in his court, who among you is willing to take this man as a guest? Everyone looked at themselves. As I said earlier, it was a period of famine. So at, so at last one of the Sahabas in the court agreed to take this his fellow sahaba home so when he got home he told his wife bring all the food at home and give to the guests the wife of this sahaba the host told him that all they had was just enough for their children he told his wife pet them to sleep and bring out the food to the guests and as you bring out the food try act as if you want to adjust the lamp and put off the lamp why why did he say this so as so the he, he is to eat with the guests is to eat with the guest. So as the guest is eating, he will pretend he is eating. Subhanallah, how many of us can really do this? So this couple did this. And the husband was moving his hand and his mouth in darkness and pretending to be eating while he's eating nothing. And this, their guest ate. It's not about, so So we see it's not really about saying, I have taqwa, I have iman, my iman is I, I understand Islam so much. From our actions, we don't have to say we are scholars. Or from our actions, people are going to tell this person is Islamically inclined. This person has iman. This person has taqwa. So this Osahaba, the next day, went back to the Prophet in the morning. And the Prophet, peace be upon him, said to him, Allah is wandering. Subhanallah. Allah is wandering. Allah watched them and is wandering. And revealed the verse because of them. Praising them. They give preference over themselves even though they were in need of that. That's Quran chapter 59 verse 9. So, that's about um, um, hospitality in Islam, Quran and Adit. So now I'm going to how we treat our guests believers whether your hosts whether your if your guest is an unbeliever or your host is an unbeliever how do you treat them there is a saying among the authentic hadiths that an unbeliever came to the prophet as a guest then the prophet asked that a goat be milked for him the man drank the milk then he drank the milk of six more goats the next morning this unbeliever accepted islam Actually, the Prophet took in him with the intention that, inshallah, he should accept Islam. And he accepted Islam. The Prophet, peace be upon him, ordered that a goat 
should be milked for him again. He drank the milk of the next day, that's in the morning. He drank the milk of the first goat, but was too satisfied to drink from the second goat. So the prophet said that the unbeliever drinks with seven intestines, while the believer drinks with one. And this hadith was transmitted by Al-Bukhari. When do we, what do we derive from this? That there are no blessing, there is no blessing in the food of an unbeliever. When, when he believes in God and becomes a Muslim, little food will be enough for him due to the blessing of Islam. So narrations said the prophet took him in, hoping he would, hoping he would accept Islam. So whether we visit people as host of this as guests or a man should be so exemplary that those people accept Islam or those people appreciate Islam. So it is allowed to take unbelievers as guests and for us to be guests to unbelievers. Allah mentioned in Quran 5, 5 verse 5 what is lawful for us to consume and what is unlawful for us to consume. So we should use our intellect, we should use our wisdom to dissect when we are given food what is lawful for us to eat and what is unlawful for us to eat. And what is, what is, yes, what is lawful and what is unlawful for us to eat? We should use our ikma for that. Aside that etiquette as a believer, aside that really, the etiquette as a believer, as a Muslim remains intact. Whether, you're, whether you, you are a guest or a host, your etiquette should not change. So this is the first thread, first part of my lecture on hospitality in Islam. The second part would come shortly be Allah. May Allah make this knowledge beneficial for us in dunya wal akhirah. May Allah accept it as an act of ibadah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Hawuzu billahi saniyul alimi mina shaytani rajim. Bismillahi rahmani rahim. Thank you for joining me on Thread B of Islamic Hospitality. In the preamble of Thread A, I forgot to give you the outline of my lecture, which includes the definition of hospitality in Islam, my journey through hospitality, the etiquette expected of a Muslim, being a host or a guest, hospitality to an unbeliever, and also the importance of hospitality in Islam. So, so far I have discussed my journey, hospitality, my journey through hospitality, um, treating the hosts, treating the hosts or the guests in the best manner. So on thread B, I'll be talking about etiquette of a Muslim being a host or a guest and also the importance of hospitality in Islam. May Allah accept our sayings and deeds as act of ibadah. So what are the etiquette expected of a Muslim being a host? So from the beginning of my lecture, I have been highlighting what is expected from a host and the guests. But now I'm going to shed more light, as I stated, general etiquette expected from a Muslim. So as a guest, what should you do as a guest? Number one, so here I have 30, 30 things. You should do as a guest in Islam. When I say 30, I know some people be like, what? 30, but 30 are so uh, uh, our daily mannerisms. What we do daily and we don't even we don't even pay attention to it like it's important. So there are things that are so easy we can do without it weighing 
heavy on our hearts. So the first thing a Muslim should do is announce your visit in advance if possible. You should announce your visit in advance if possible, except it's an impromptu visit or an impromptu reason to visit. So it's good for your host to be aware that you're coming before and why in order to prepare adequately for you especially if you have special needs maybe you are a diabetes patient maybe you are crippled maybe you have other special needs that has to be catered for so it's good so your host can prepare adequately for you also the prophet said allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stated that indeed my love will be given to those who love one another for my sake. Those who visit one another for my sake. This is Adit Qudsi, transmitted by Malik and Imam Malik and Ahmad. The Prophet also stated that when a person goes to visit his brother, an angel will pray for him and say, May you be blessed and your steps be blessed. And may you have a place in paradise. It is also noted in Sirah that Abu Bakr Hana used to tell used to used to tell Omar. Yeah, he used to tell Omar that let us go visit Umuani, the Prophet. So the Prophet used to visit Umuani. So that's why even the Sahabas used to visit Umuani. So, aside that when you are going to visit, you announce your visit, you make sure you dress well, you smell good if you are a man, you apply perfume if you are a woman, you dress well, you make sure you are neat. You don't apply perfume when you are going outside your home. So, that's the first thing. You announce, you are well dressed, you smell good. So, the second is knocking on the door gently. Now, not loudly like some of us do. We knock on people's gates or we knock on people's door. We are shouting names. You knock gently on the door. And also, when you want to greet, you say with salam, not who is there, or start calling names. Salamu alaikum. So the fourth one is you ask for permission three times. And you leave when it's not granted. You ask for permission, you say salamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You say it three times. May I come in? Not just just going immediately after you say salam. And you have to make sure your salam is reciprocated. And this was transmitted by Sahih Zesai Adit in Surah Nur. Allah said, if you are asked to go back, go back for it is purer for you. He said, Allah said, فَإِن لَمْ تَجِدُوا فِيَا أَحْدًا فَلَا تَدْكُلُهَا أَتَّى يُزَنَّ لَكُمْ وَكِيلَا لَكُمْ رُجِئُوا فَرْجِئُوا هُوَ أَزْكَى لَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ بِمَا تَحْمَلُونَ عَلِيمٌ And if you find no one in it, still enter not until permission has been given. And if it be said to you, Go away again, then go away, for it is purer for you. Allah knows what you do, what you don't. So if you are asked to go, don't force yourself in or start murmuring or get angry. Just go away for the host as is or reasons why he or she is saying you should not go in. So the fifth year is mentioning your name. You knock, say salam, salam is reciprocated, you say your name.
my name is Fajembola Aziza, or my name is Sabira, or my name is Mariam, or my name is Ali. Ask for permission to come in, then you state your name. Now, why are you doing all this? You don't peep. You don't start peeping through the window or start peeping through the door and wondering what is happening. Why are they not opening for you? No. And again, another etiquette number seven is not standing directly in front of the door. Rather, you stand by the side. Then you enter. When you want to go in, you enter with the right foot. You stand by the side. You knock. You stand by the side. And when you are to go in, you go in with your right foot. So now when you get into the home, how should you sit? Etiquette number eight. You sit in a place where you are assigned to. In a place where you are asked to sit. You don't sit on an empty spot. You don't sit, for example, you find a book or an item indicating someone is sitting in a particular place. Then you take the person seat. No, it is not allowed. Wherever there is empty spot, you sit there. Wherever there is no empty spot, you don't sit there. That's etiquette number nine. So etiquette number ten. You you make sure you make space in case you're not the only um guest. You make space for anyone who comes. You don't just occupy your space and say, because I'm the first person to be in this gathering, I'm the first person to be here, I should have a good space, I should sit comfortably. No, that's not the, the character of a Muslim. So etiquette number 11, not sitting between two people without their permission. Before you sit, you find two people sitting, you are think, okay, these people can adjust. You don't just go in their middle and sit. You have to ask for their permission. Then you sit. And when you are sitting, etiquette number two, when you are sitting, you don't sit in a way that is improper. You don't sit in a way because number one, you are not in your home. Number two, you are in public. You sit in a proper manner. In a way that is acceptable morally. So etiquette number 13, you don't converse secretly when there is a third party. Or you don't speak a language. Not even converse. You, can, you may be talking loudly and you are speaking a language the third party does not understand. You should speak in a language that everyone understands, that everyone can speak. So, um, etiquette number 12, lowering your gaze and respecting the privacy of your hosts. You lower your gaze and respect the privacy of your hosts and other guests. You don't just start looking up, down, left, center, who is coming in, who is going out, what is this one wearing, is the, is the right shoe and the left shoe the same, and so on. So, etiquette number 15 is, when you when you go to someone's home or a gathering, you don't leave there and start exposing what you saw at their home. Oh, you see their television? Oh! It's black and white TV they still have in their household. Something like that. Or, hey, did you see that shake? It was just salivating. You don't start saying unnecessary things. Start exposing what you saw in someone's home or in a garden if you are invited as a guest. So, etiquette number 16 is showing satisfaction with whatever is presented to you. Whether it's food or drink, you have to show you are satisfied. Don't be like, ew, what is that, Abby? Or, or you can be like, no, I'm allergic or something like that. You take what you can eat and leave what you can't. And if you are given a variety of food or asked, what do you want to eat? You pick the simplest and the cheapest for the host to prepare. So etiquette number 17, you avoid too much joking or argumentation. This really happen when men visit their friends or maybe they, they, they've gone to watch a football match and they start arguing and maybe they leave their fighting. You don't go to someone's home and start arguing with them. 
or too much joke, too much unnecessary jokes. You don't argue and make unnecessary jokes. Etiquette number 18. If you see something bad, put it right in a good way. You have to make sure your speech is at its best in the home of a host. Make the best utterances. Even if you see something bad, you don't start shouting or talking an ill manner. In an ill manner, you have to use the best utterances. Etiquette number 19. Be a good listener. Whether it's other guests speaking or maybe it's your own speaking, don't be absent-minded. Listen attentively. Etiquette number 20. You don't go to a, the house of the host because we have visa. Maybe the, the, the host is a, just a convert. A convert, you just think, oh, I'm the best person to lead the prayer. You have to seek for permission. Ask the host, should I lead the prayer? If you or she says you should lead, then you lead. You don't just assume and be the imam for the, for the for, and lead, lead everyone in prayer. Etiquette number 21. While in the sitting, you try remembering Allah. Praying for the prophet, praying for your host. You remember Allah. And it is said that any any sitting where Allah is remembered, Allah blesses the sitting. So we should also remember Allah and pray for our hosts, our hosts before we leave. Etiquette number 22. You don't just visit people. <laughs> you visit people intermittently, like today, tomorrow, next tomorrow. It's not really, really right. That's not uh, that's not uh, right enough for a Muslim. I was told of a story, a colleague of mine was once told me a story where her husband friend actually never came to the house. When he came to the house, I don't know, it seems he's not married, he's a bachelor. He ate the first day, was like, wow, this food is sumptuous. So the next day he came again and actually he knows the time they usually have lunch. So he comes exactly when they're having lunch. Like he did that for like four days in a row. Then the fifth day, something like that, when he came, the husband, she didn't come out of it. She was still in the kitchen with the food. She didn't dish out the food. So he came, he sat, he sat, he sat. The husband, was, the husband told her not to come out with the food. She should eat in the kitchen and stay there. So she stayed in the kitchen pressing her phone. So you see, that's not the right attitude. We should visit people, but not every day. We shouldn't be a burden on our fellow Muslim. And again, Etiquette number 23, we shouldn't make your stay too long. You go to visit someone and you are staying there for six months without no valid reason the why you are staying there. Actually, as I'm saying this, I'm also laughing because I once did, I overstayed, <laughs> I overstayed, I overstayed my visit in someone's home and yeah, it really backfired at me. So we shouldn't overstay in someone's home. When you go to visit, you stay for a short while, you don't be a burden to your guests. Etiquette number 24, you choose the right time to visit. You don't go and visit a couple during that period. They just divorced and you're going to visit. They, someone just died and you're going to visit. You're going with your family to visit. That's not the right time to visit. We should look at the right time to visit our hosts, to be a guest and to visit. So etiquette, etiquette number 25, in case you have children and you're going to visit somewhere, someone and your children have caused a lot of mess around, a lot of messes your children have made. So, you should make sure you fix those messes before you leave. Etiquette number 26, even if your, your host does not mind, you make sure it fits. You show the empathy that, yes, I want to do this. Not that you just leave it because next time you want to visit, they'll be like, oh, they are coming again and everything. So, you have to show empathy. Even though they don't want you to do you have to show that, yes, I really want to fix the mess they made. So, um, etiquette number 26, 
we should not take someone that our host do not want us to to visit him or her. You know your host does not want someone to visit him or her. You are taking. You are going to visit someone. You know you are going to visit your imam, and you know your imam does not like um what they call them bidia or does not like um ISIS. You have a friend who is ISIS, and you are going to visit your imam. You should know that you shouldn't take such people. Whoever your host is not satisfied with, whoever your host does not want, you don't take. You whoever your host does not want, you don't take to his or her home. You can take to your home, it's okay. But you don't take to someone else's home if someone else does not want that type of guest. We should respect our hosts in that aspect. And also, and also if we are visiting visiting the sick, we should make sure it's short and give lots of positive words and also pray for them. In case you are visiting the sick. So, etiquette number 28. If you can afford, if you can, it's good to take gifts with you if you are going to visit your host. Etiquette number 30. You make sure you are living. The host knows you are living. You don't live without the host's permission. You ask permission. You, you tell them, I'm living. Thank you so much for everything. Then you leave. You don't just disappear and they all start wondering where did this person go to and ev and any other thing. So we have to inform our hosts when we are leaving. So etiquette number 30. Now you don't start asking the host, oh, when you go to your host home, you don't start as asking, what's the, what type of cement? Was it done with the cement or boa cement used in building this house? Wow. What type of paint did you use? Wow. What type of brand of TV? How many rooms do you think? <laughs> how many rooms does your have, house have mm, you have three toilets oh i thought you had six you don't start making unnecessary inquiries if you should inquire anything about the the, the home of a host it should be about the praise for pr prayer that why because you need the kibla why because you need a kibla and also the place of convenience the ladies or the gents you can also go you ask them where it is you ask them where it is and then you go Place of convenience and the Kibla. Those are the two necessary places you should ask. Don't start asking for unnecessary things when you go to the home of a host. So, those are the 30 etiquettes. We can see the way I've stated them, they're not really hard. These are things we do every day, our mannerisms, which are so easy to do, practice makes perfect. And we can achieve them and also ask Allah to make it easy for us because we are doing it for his sake. Being a guest, you are doing it for his sake, and so he can also bless you and also have mercy on you accordingly. Abu Raira narrated a hadith where he heard Prophet Muhammad saying, If a man peeps at you without your permission and you cast a pebble at him and his eye is gorged out, there is no blame on you. This hadith was transmitted by Buhari and Muslim. So that's those are the etiquettes expected of a guest. Now the subsection of general etiquettes. What are the etiquettes expected of a Muslim host? The Englishman to whom much is given. The Englishman usually say to whom much is given, much is expected. It's really an honor to be a guest and why he or she is fulfilling the obligations required of the host he or she should remember Allah is watching and also rewarding so many people think hosting is just about food but what I really want us to unlearn 
today and learn is about that hospitality is about food it's about drink it's about knowledge sharing it's about socializing it's about security it's about kindness and so much more so Adit was reported where the prophet peace be upon him said mankana yuhminu billahi wal yawmil hakir falyukram dayfa meaning whoever believes in Allah and the last day should honor his guests another one also reported where he said la yuhminu ahadukum hatta yuhibbu li'ahihi ma yuhibbu li'nafsihi none of you are fit till he wishes for his brother what he likes for himself So we should treat our host I mean we should treat our guest as a host you treat your guest in the best manner the way you will love to be treated as a guest is should be the way you treat your fellow guests So what are the etiquettes or host should have For the etiquettes a guest you have I gave you 30 simplified etiquettes which are attainable I believe are attainable but for the etiquettes a host should possess I have 10 etiquettes the first is being generous and hospitable for you to be a host definition of a host is being generous and hospitable you have to possess that then you have to show your guests that you are happy they are visiting show the happiness at their visit that's the second etiquette the third one serve the food quickly and also wait for the guests before you clear the we have to make sure the guests is satisfied just as the way they do in restaurants and hotels and they make sure you are done you finish you make sure the the, the, the guests is satisfied and has moved away from the eating area then you clear the table not when the 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 the, the guests are just eating a meat and maybe has dropped the spoon and is doing some other thing or you understand and you've just come and pack the you just come and clear the eating area no you wait for your guest to be satisfied then you clear the eating area so number 4 etiquette expected of a host you serve them in terms of service and in terms of services and not asking them to help but however if they are, if, if they want to help you voluntary then it's okay for example you've cleared the eating area you are washing the plates a guest comes in come into the kitchen and they want to help you baby rinse the plates and you're like no leave it no move go back and say they're like no i can't sit i want to help you. okay then they can voluntary but you don't force a service you don't force an action on a guest as a host as a muslim host so the fourth etiquette expected of a host is using the opportunity to encourage and engage them to do righteous deeds in the sitting you encourage your guests to do more acts of ibadah you preach to them you advise them you give them good talks those are the etiquettes of a host the fifth etiquette is not leaving them alone at the door or for themselves for a long time you have a guest you've served them they finish eating they're watching tv then you leave them you're in the room maybe speaking to your spouse or pressing your phone or doing some other things no you have to make your guests feel homely engage them be with them etiquette number 6 is you don't burden yourself too much do what that enable for you don't go and start borrowing money because you want to host a guest or yes you do what that enable for you. what is within your reach for the guest 
etiquette number seven is respecting their privacy and lowering your gaze. You don't look start looking at your guests from the shoes to the air, from the air to the shoes to the armpits to the bag, and you don't start doing all that. You lower your gaze and give them their privacy, the respect they deserve as a guest. Etiquette number eight, you don't start embarrassing embarrassing them. You don't embarrass them and you also by not embarrassing them is the way you treat them. And also their sleeping area they are to sleep. You make sure you separate the part for the male. Uh, for the male and the part for the female you make them feel homely etiquette number 10 you walk guests to their cars or to the door when they are leaving you don't just stay in the room while they are leaving and they drive off you walk them to the door you walk them to the guest if possible even outside your home so some extent they don't have a car then they leave etiquette number nine the food should be served within the reach of the guest. So when you are serving the food, it should be within the reach. It should be in a way that the guest, he or she, does not feel uncomfortable while eating. And also regarding the food, the elderly should be served first. And this is supported by a dream reported by Ibn Umar, where he was using the sawak to brush his teeth. And the two men, and he saw two men in his dream, the older one dragged him wanted the work and there was a younger one so he gave this work to the younger one he reported his dream to the prophet and in the dream someone was telling him said telling him that it is said to him give it to the older then he gave it to the older the prophet told him when he told the prophet this dream he said he who does not feel mercy on the youngest and respect for our elderly is not from is not from us. And this idea was transmitted by Al Bukhari. So if you if if you have guests and they are very young ones and they are very old ones, you make sure you serve the young ones, very young ones, and the very old ones first. Then serve others. They come first, and maybe anyone with special needs, maybe persons on a wheelchair, and oh yes, you serve them first before any other person. So. So, as a host, we should prefer our guests over ourselves, as I related in trade A lecture about the story of those who preferred others to themselves. So, my beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, the last on my lecture is the importance of Islamic hospitality. Why am I giving you trade A, trade B, and uh, inshallah, I'm going to also give you trade C, which is also a subsection of islamic hospitality why am i giving three trades on islamic hospitality what is really the importance of islamic hospitality so indeed solidarity so solidifying the relationships and bonds is among the pillars that ought the ummah there are others like greeting a fellow muslim accepting invitations which which accept invitation which is the hospitality giving advice when solicited, seeking blessings upon him when he or she sneezes, visiting him or her when they fall sick, your fellow Muslim when they fall sick, you pray for your pray for your fellow Muslim when he dies. These are the rights, basic rights of a Muslim upon his or her fellow Muslim. So my lighter benefits of hospitality are, I gave eight, I got eight benefits of hospitality. The first is it increases love and peace from the definition friendly entertainment of one's guests, thereby increasing peace within yourself and your environment. When you increase peace, 
That's the first one. Increases peace, increases love. Number two, it in, it improves cooperation among the ummah, thereby increasing social security. Everyone feels safe. Everyone feels the brotherly or the sisterly love. Number three, it reduces the burden and increases the socio-economic status of Muslim. When the rich visits the poor, let me just take for example now. Let's assume Dangote, Dangote, or maybe a rich Muslim. I'm just saying Dangote because it's popular. Visits a Muslim, a, a impromptu gives an impromptu visit to a Muslim, Muslim brother. Maybe his car, maybe his entourage or his car is spoiled by, by the highway and he gets a home. Fortunately for him, is a Muslim home. So he goes into the home and see that the condition of the of the the people in that home is not that good in terms of in terms financially. Are you telling me that when he leaves that home or before he leaves that home, he's not going to help the family in, help the family financially? He's not going to improve their socioeconomic status. He is going to. So these are one of the benefits of hospitality. The rich helping the poor and also the rich knowing who to give their zakah, to if they are to give zakah. The fourth importance of hospitality in Islam is in improves mental health. Talking with people, um, be friendly with people, it improves the mental health, reduces um, psychological issues, anxiety, and so on. So fifth is hospitality, Islamic hospitality, covers the gap within the ummah. If there are gaps within the ummah, if there are gaps between the Ummah, hospitality closes the gap, e.g. sheltering the homeless and so on. So, number seven is hospitality improves our relationship with our Creator. As I said, hospitality is a relationship between our hosts, I guess, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, it improves the relationship, our relationship with our Creator. So lastly, the importance of hospitality is knowledge sharing in terms of experiences. You get more knowledgeable, you share culture, sharing food, you get more knowledgeable, you get cooking tips, you learn more about each other's culture. You learn about Western and Islamic knowledge too by sharing knowledge. So hospitality, Islamic hospitality is really, really, we can't really overlook Islamic hospitality because it's really a strong, a big pillar in our society. Furthermore, we should note that a Muslim is a good guest or host. And this comes with altruism encouraging Islam. I said a Muslim, not a good Muslim because every Muslim is good due to what makes up a Muslim right from the name so every muslim is automatically a good host or a good guest i believe some sahabas used to during the time of the prophet some sahabas used to preserve their meal till they have a guest in order to gain the mercy and blessings of allah from being a host but allah sent a verse to them saying if you eat with a guest there is no arm. If you eat alone, there is no arm. In conclusion, 
we should always remember that hospitality is a strong pillar in building societies from the lowest to the highest levels. And the majority of our touch bearers embraced Islam due to the actions of the prophets. Not his words, his actions, his deeds. So we have to learn to be at peace with ourselves and to be at peace with others. And how can we achieve this? By understanding our religion. And understanding is achieved by seeking knowledge, utilizing knowledge and teaching others. So with this, I've come to the end of my lecture. May Allah forgive us, accept our sins and deeds as act of ibadah. May Allah preserve us and make us better Muslims. So my brothers and sisters, please feel free to send in your questions or recommend recommendations. I will gladly accept them. Lila lectures build on the humma. Awuzu billahi semiul ali minina shaytani rajim bismillahi rahmani rahim. Rabbi shurari sadri wa yasirli hamri wa hluhdati min lisani yafqaw qawli. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa sallim. Ayu al-iqwatu fillah. I greet you the greetings of peace and love. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I promised I was going to give the last section of my lecture before the end of July. And here it is, alhamdulillah, section C of hospitality in Islam which includes visiting the sick, visiting the bereaved, and visiting the dead. That's going to the graveyard. So in trade A and B, I highlighted hospitality in an in a LD host. So, what if your host is sick? What should you do as a believer? A Sikh Muslim also has the right of visit from every one of us. So Islam regards reluctance to visit the Sikh as negligence of right that is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say on the day of resurrection, O son of Adam, I was sick and you did not visit me. He will say, Oh my Lord, how could I visit you while you are the Lord of all the worlds? Allah would then say, Don't you know that my slave so and so was sick and you did not visit him? Don't you know that if you had visited him, you would have found me with him? And this added was transmitted by a Muslim. So as I kept emphasizing in trade A and B that hospitality is not just for two people, two groups of people, but is a triad which includes our creator. So whether you have your host is someone who is healthy or unhealthy, we should know that it's us, our host and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what should a believer say when he visits the sick? Meaning, never mind, it is a purification, inshallah. 
This was the way of the prophet, as transmitted by Al-Bukhari. The etiquette expected of a guest. I discussed this extensively in Trebi. The same applied. The same applies to a sick host. But for a sick host, more remembrance of Allah should be done. The sick should be reminded that Allah is the only one who can cure. The virtues of being patient and being satisfied with Allah's decree. It should, it should be the host as a host. I mean, as a guest, you should remind your guest of as a host. As a guest, you should remind your host of three things. What are they? That Allah is the only one who cures patience and satisfaction with Allah's decree. May Allah not test us with a sickness that is greater than our He-Man. So there is a hadith of the Prophet, peace be upon him, that states, When the Muslim visits the sick, his sick brother or sick sister, he is harvesting the fruits of paradise until he returns. And this hadith was transmitted by Muslim. Also, another added states that there is no Muslim who visits a sick Muslim early in the morning. But 70,000 angels send blessings upon him until evening. And if he visits in the evening, 70,000 send blessings upon him till morning. And this added was transmitted by Thirmizi. So what should we understand from, it, from this? That there is no special etiquette for visiting the sick except for the recommended prayers for the sick, which was said by the Prophet during his lifetime. Aside la inshallah, a guest can also say, Oh Allah, heal my hosts. Mention his name thrice. And this hadith was transmitted by, by Bahariya Muslim. You say this with your host's name. Or say this prayer. Azib al-bas rabhanas. Meaning, take away the pain, O Lord of mankind, and grant healing. For you are the healer, and there is no healing but your healing that leaves no tricks of sickness. And this added was transmitted by Muslim. So for a Muslim who has... Who, who is not terminally ill and as a guest you visit such a patient or such a person you should say seven times you can say seven times in his or her presence the following dua and Allah will heal him of his or her sickness and what is this prayer that you should say seven times I ask Allah the Almighty, Lord of the Mighty Throne, to heal you. So, a class of people who visit the sick almost every day found that, found this that we have a lucky set of people among us, mankind, who visit the sick every day, and they are medics and paramedics. So if you're a medic listening to this lecture, I want you to change your intention today as you go to the hospital. Your intention should be to visit the sick, not to make money. To visit the sick, 
in visiting bed to bed you are praying for them you are giving them words of assurance you are caring for them this is basically what differentiates a muslim health worker from a non-muslim health worker now imagine there are many patients let's imagine you see 50 patients in a day averagely then the reward of just seeing one patient i've said this the reward of just seeing one patient now just assume averagely in a day you see 50 patients for the sake of allah and you do this you care for them you encourage them you pray for them indeed the medics and paramedics are a lucky set of individuals among mankind so what should a guest note when you are going to visit the sick that whether your host the sick person is a muslim or a non-muslim your reward remains the same so there are two things a guest should request for in the home of a host the host the sick before leaving you should request for two things you should request if they are in need of anything first you should request if they are in need of anything food drinks to services and try as much as possible to do it for them if they if you have the capacity or employ people who have the capacity to do it but doing this you should do it for the sake of allah you shouldn't go to the home of your host where your other guests seated just to belittle them and feel you are capable and pride and arrogance no anything you want to do you should do it for the sake person for the sake of allah what is the second thing you should do before leaving the home of a host the sick you should request them to pray for you if you are the only guest that requests them to pray for you are many requests them to pray for all the guests why because the sick is one of the classes of people whose prayers are quickly answered by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now i've given an example that if a patient is not terminally ill the prayer you should say but if your patient is terminally ill the sick is terminally ill you should encourage them to say Allah maghfirli warahamni waligni birafiki hala meaning oh Allah forgive me and have mercy on me and join me with the highest companions in paradise may Allah accept our sins and deeds as if to be bad so I have I've broken down my lecture into visiting the sick now what is the next is visiting the bereaved as a Muslim what's expected of you when you visit the bereaved Allah said in the Quran Quran chapter 3 verse 185 every soul shed is dead inshallah in one of my future lectures i will talk extensively on death because it is a necessary remembers remembrance for us from time to time so as a muslim paying condolence visit is one of the ways of supporting ourselves which comes with comforting the bereaved and also reminding them of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so what is the time lag for a condolence visit? 
there is no time lag in islam there is no time lag it can be done whenever the deceased family is seen as so as i say inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajihun verily we belong to allah and unto him we shall return we should say comforting words we should say comforting words like inna lillahi ma qada wallahu mahata wa kullu shay'in indahu bi hajalin musamma falitasbir waltahtazib meaning to allah belongs what he took and to him belongs what he gave and everything with him as an appointed time so be patient and at anticipate his reward this was also said by the prophet and reported by bukhari and muslim it is noted that some of our early scholars in islam also recommended the following additional words of condolence azam allah hajrak wa hasana hazak wa ghafara lima yitik may allah magnify your reward and make perfect your bereavement and forgive your deceased It is so common in most of our societies today that when we visit the bereaved it's like it's time for celebration it's like a party is about to happen is a moment of celebration for the public subhanallah is this even inclined morally we should know from today's whether it is not permissible for the bereaved to establish a space or prepare food for the visitors even for a day why because all i against the pillars of sharia and increases the burden on the bereaved what is sunnatic what's the sunnatic that we should note is that providing food for the family of the deceased while they are occupied with the burial activities that's what we should do the home should do for the family of the bereaved not them carrying expenses to feed the home so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said make food for the family of jafar during the lifetime of the prophet make food for the family of jafar because they have become occupied this adage was relayed by abu daud imam shafi rahimullah said I order the gathering to mourn and lament for the deceased is forbidden even if they do not cry for it is a revival of grief and a burden on provisions alongside conflicting with sunnah so many scholars agree with that with 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 with, with Imam Shafi that indeed it is an ugly bidia an ugly innovation So what are other ugly innovations forbidden practices a guest or bereaved shouldn't do what shouldn't you do as a guest or what should you encourage a bereaved not to do continuously reciting quran or doing zikr over the deceased is bidia announcing that using large platforms is haram making congregational supplications with raised hands it's forbidden wearing specific colors such as black as a sign of grief is not allowed so that is what we should know about visiting the bereaved so after the burial what next when we 
when when we bury our fellow Muslim brothers and sisters in Islam, aside including them in our prayers, it is recommended by the Prophet to visit the grave occasionally. Occasionally, from time to time, we should visit the grave. Why? Because death itself is a lecture. The graveyard is a reminder to its visitors that one day we will also be there. And we will all live behind what makes us feel we are better than our neighbors. We are better than our fellow brothers in Islam. We are better than our fellow sisters in Islam. So if indeed it is a reminder to you and I, then what should we do? Use our time in worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly or indirectly. I explained this in my lecture on timing in Islam. If you have not listened to it, please, I encourage you to do so. May Allah make us better believers. So there are many um, rules about visiting the grave, but I will state the most new for us. So it all starts with our niyyah. What is our niyyah? Who are we visiting? To pray for the dead, to remind ourselves of the afterlife, or to pray for the dead, to grant our wishes and intercede for us. We should know that the first and second are sonatic, but the third is aram. To go visit the grave to pray for them, to remind us of the afterlife is halal, is allowed in Islam, is encouraged. But we visit the graveyard, praying for them to intercede and grant our wishes. That's shirk and that's haram. So no Muslim should ever pray to the dead because that is shirk plainly. The only one who can grant our wishes is the creator of the living and the dead, which is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet wasalam, said, Whoever strikes the cheeks, tears the clothes, and calls out from the cries of the days of ignorance is not from us. The days of ignorance is the Jahiliya period. So we shouldn't act like the people of the Black Age, the Jahiliya period, the ignorant people. The Prophet said, the one whom people will over is punished, subhanAllah. So as a guest to the bereaved or as a guest to the grave, we should try as much as possible to be disciplined and adhere to the doctrines of Islam. Of what use really, of what use really is our visit if the one we claim to love is punished? So what prayers can one say as a guest at the grave? Allah maghfirli, lihayina, wa majitina, wa sahidina, wa shahidina, wa gahibina, wa sagirina, wa kabirina, wa zaqarina, wa huntana. Allahumma, man ahyaytahu minna, fahyihi ala al-Islam, wa man tawafaytahu minna, fatawafahu ala al-Iman. Allahumma la tarimna ajraw wa ala tuddillana ba'dahu. Meaning, oh Allah, forgive our living and our dead. Those present and those absent, our young and our old, our males and females, Allah, whomever you give life to from us, let such live upon Islam, and such whose life you take, then take it upon Iman, Allah, 
Do not prevent us from this reward and do not cause us to go astray after him. After him, meaning the one in the grave. Another dua is Allahumma abdukawab nuamatika iftaja ila rahmatika wa hanta ganiyu an hazabi in kana muhsinan fazid fi sanatihi wa in kana muhsiyan fatajawaz hanuhu. Meaning, O oh Allah, your servant, the son of your mint servant, is in need of your mercy, and you are without need of punishing him. If he was righteous, increase his reward, and if he was wicked, then pardon his sins. Muslims should know that while praying for the husband of the grave, it is preferable to face the Qibla than facing the grave, but no direction was in instructed to be faced by the Prophet. Peace be upon him. So my brothers and sisters in Islam, as I remind you of ourselves of hospitality, Islamic hospitality, the duties we have towards humanity, what are the benefits of hospitality to the sick, bereaved, and dead? In thread B, I thought about the benefits of visiting fellow Muslim brother, a elder Muslim or a elder non-Muslim. So now I want to know the benefits of visiting the sick, of visiting the bereaved, and visiting the dead. First, it improves the bond and the home. When you visit the bereaved, you visit the sick, it improves the unity, improves the love, increases the love we have for each other, increases the unity, the home. A Muslim brother has for his fellow Muslim brother, or Muslim sisters have for our fellow Muslim sister. Secondly, Allah shows us his blessings, his mercy, and his forgiveness on the host and guests, bereaved or dead. Three, Hospitality towards the sick, bereaved, and they soften the heart and increases taqwa. When you visit, when you go to the graveyard, you, you have softness. You 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 remember you're a traveler on heart. You remember you're not going to take anything back to you. You remember to do more hacks of ibadah and increases your taqwa. Number four, it improves the physical and mental status of the guests and hosts. When you visit someone, that what they call social security. So you as a guest going to visit, assuming you are walking, you are doing exercise. Also mentally, your host gets better, the sick person gets better. By smiling, people being around him or her, his or her sickness does not weigh them down heavily. Number five is supplicating. When you supplicate, it alleviates the pain of the sick and bereaved. Number six, we become more grateful to our Creator for the privilege of being alive and healthy. We become more grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you can pray. You can go for Hajj. You are breathing in non-assisted. You become more grateful for the little things we take for granted. Number seven, it increases the zeal to do marks of Ibadah. So, going to the grave, you, you understand that in this life, every second you spend on earth is a privilege to you. So, you use it to do more acts of Ibadah. You understand that you are healthy. It's also, it's like I said in my lecture in time in Islam. 
you are healthy it's a period for you to do marks of ibadah because you won't be able to do it when you are sick so lastly what is the benefit of visiting the dead the bereaved and the grave it guides non-muslim to islam i want to encourage you all if you've not read um preparation of a dead muslim before taking to the grave if you've not read any article on it or if you've not listened to any lecture you should it's so beautiful in as much as it's saddening it's so remorseful that you are living this world it's one of the most beautiful aspects and rich worlds i have seen in islam so my brothers and sisters in islam May Allah forgive the dead believers, brighten, expand from the bodies of their graves, grant them a legitimate of freedoms. And for we who are alive, may Allah make us better believers, accept our acts of ibadah, and take our souls only when He is most pleased with us. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdi ashadu anta Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Lilla lectures. Beautiful.